Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. Hello, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. Today's sound quality will hopefully be much, much better than yesterday's. Uh, I appreciate your uh, uh, your graciousness. Um, you know, in in the uh, the heat of trying to get things done. Uh, sometimes you know we miss simple things, and and that's what happened yesterday. So thank you so much for listening. Anyway, I very much appreciate you and all the time you give me. I really do hope that the content was still able to get through clearly and uh, beneficial. Today, uh, we are going to talk about why do I keep I uh, being anybody keep ignoring important things. Right? That's the question. Why do I keep ignoring important things? You know, the whole topic of avoidance, that's it. That's what we're talking about. So do you, here's some questions for you. Do you, like most people, avoid dealing with things more than you should? Chances are you're out there saying, yep, that's me. I do that at least sometimes, right? Unless you're um, purely a confrontational person. There are going to be times where you're avoiding and there is a time and place. I'm going to explain that when it's appropriate, when it's not, and that kind of stuff. But more importantly, we're going to take a a deep dive into avoidance. So for example, do you eat out because you you didn't get the groceries or you don't want to go to the grocery store, right? do Do you mow the lawn to avoid family conflict? Or get yourself busy in the garage or, you know, go and hide. Or do you turn on the TV so that you don't have to talk, right? These are, these are avoidance things, right? Do you avoid, this one's a, this one's a personal one. Do you avoid calling somebody like a grandma or grandpa because you forgot to do it when you were supposed to do it and you feel bad? Anybody out there? I hope there's other people that have made that mistake like me. Um, I'm not alone, I hope. Uh, you know, that's that's something that I always, I, you know, I don't do it so much today. You know, now I just kind of bite the bullet and make it happen because I, I, I love uh, catching up with the people that I love, right? But when I was young, that was a pretty common mistake for me. Uh, do you avoid just any conflict? Does conflict terrify you? And so you just, you turn the other way and pretend it's not going to happen. Or do you avoid social situations because you get anxious? As you can see, uh, there's all kinds of things that we could avoid. We, we could avoid work. We could avoid uh, interactions with people. <clears throat> there's tons of stuff that we could avoid. But why do we do that? What is it? What is it even? Like These are important questions. Avoidance at the core is really just a temporary solution that's highly effective when it's one-time interactions. When we have a temporary solution, it's for temporary situations. You can 
try to lie to yourself if you want. I, I don't get to tell you what to do. But if you try to convince yourself that every situation is temporary, that's kind of silly and probably a little foolish. So if we're using a temporary technique for a permanent situation, we're going to get really big problems. Avoidance is not a long-term solution. It's a short-term solution. And avoidance is a defense mechanism. Let me explain that. What is it a defense against? It's a defense against thinking, feeling, and doing. We don't want to think about something, we avoid it. We don't want to feel something, we avoid it. We don't want to do something, we avoid it. It's a thinking, feeling, doing situation. And what is it defending us from? Well, it's defending us, what we think at least, we convince ourselves, it's defending us from a problem. Like we we truly believe it's going to protect us from a challenge, a difficult situation. Does it though? That's an important question. Does it protect you from a difficult situation? Yes, it does. It absolutely protects you from a difficult situation in a temporary status. For example, you're walking down the street and somebody yells something obscene at you. You've never met them before. Maybe you're even in a town you've never been in before. You're like, you're, you know, they, maybe they mis- mistook you for somebody else or who knows what was going on. Maybe they were under the influence of something. They're just, they're just all kinds of, you know, like crazy talk, right? And so they, they yell some obscenities and you proceed to walk on. You avoid it. Actually a very effective and good idea. What are the chances you're going to come across that person again? What are the chances that they're going to be in that same sort of mental state the next time you do in the event that you do? I mean, great opportunity for avoidance. It's a temporary situation. So you use a temporary solution. There's no reason to engage in that. It's pointless. It's not going to get you or them anything that's beneficial. You engage in that. There's actually a pretty good chance it's going to turn into a nightmare. So... Avoidance is perfect in a temporary situation like that. But there are some red flags that you should be aware of when it comes to avoidance. The red flags, there's two of them that I highlight for people typically in therapy. Number one, blaming. And number two, justifying. We blame people for the emotions that we have. We blame people for the thoughts that are crossing our mind. We blame people for doing certain things that put you in an awkward situation. Or we justify our avoidance. We justify it saying, well, it's not going to be any good. I mean, if I approach that person, nothing's going to change. That's a justification. You don't know because you haven't approached. And if you have in the past, what's not to say they, have, they haven't grown? Maybe they haven't. And maybe you'll be right. But a justification is what we use to avoid. People do grow. People can change some things about themselves. If 
they're willing to do the work. And some people will do that. So when we justify and we blame, those are big red flags for me. Big red flags. So what are the long-term risks and benefits of avoidance? The benefits of avoidance decrease over time because it's a temporary solution. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's, that's as simple as it gets. The risks, though, as we stuff emotions, as we stuff our thoughts, as we stuff our behaviors, which is what avoidance is, we're stuffing them, they eventually will release somewhere and in some way. And most typically what I see in therapy is they release behaviorally. We get overwhelmed to a point and then we lose our junk. We just lose it. And that comes out, uh, you know, in typically it becomes, we get overwhelmed emotionally, right? The thoughts race and they stir the heart and the heart, you know, fills up with, you know, some type of an emotion, uh, anxiety or frustration or an irritation or anger. Um, and we, those cups fill up and then we explode. And that can be really, really ugly in terms of our behavior. So if you guys remember, I'll just super quick touch on this. I've talked about this before. The emotional cups, we all have different cups of emotion within us. You know, we have a side cup, a happy cup, but any emotion can overflow any of them. And there's, uh, uh, you know, different capacities. You would have different capacities than me. Your sad cup may be really big and mine may be really small and I can only hold so much sadness before I have to get it out. And you may be able to hold a lot more and you may wonder why mine is so small. But the reality is we're pretty unique in that way. Kind of like a fingerprint. We all have a different fingerprint when it comes to emotions. And so as those cups overflow, um, we begin to act in ways that are unreasonable or irrational or not us. And we let go of our moral structures and then we, we create problems that then we have to go back and clean up later on because emotions that get messy create messes and typically they come out behaviorally. So there we go. Um, other long-term risks, elevated anxiety in general. So typically, you know, if your baseline is at a zero, you, you avoid long enough, your baseline becomes a five out of 10. So you're normally a zero. Now you run on a typical day, you're at a five, you're elevated. So it takes less to make you overflow. That happens over time. Long-term anxiety, as we've talked about before, leads to oftentimes depression. And depression is obviously hugely problematic and worst case scenarios can become, you know, self-harm, suicidal ideation, all kinds of bad. Why? Because we didn't deal with stuff as it was coming up. And what happens is we actually weaken and weaken. And it's like you have this body and you don't work it out over time. It's going to get weaker. You know, at some point, you got to push through a little bit. Not, I mean, we don't want to push through injuries, but push through the pain of growth, right? So that we don't end up in depression. And possibly the worst case scenario, in my opinion, as if depression and suicidal ideation and stuff like that isn't, you know, bad enough. Shame. Shame 
can get us to the point of overwhelm that leads us to real efforts to not exist. Shame is is brutal. It is it is one of the hardest things that clients that come see me they deal with. Shame, if you remember, uh, hopefully you remember. If not, super quick recap. You know, guilt, which is our moral compass, you know, and we get one degree off, and guilt kicks in. We realize, wow, we're off course. If we stay off course one degree and we travel twelve hours, we end up way off of our mark, right? Because time and distance creates, uh, you know, distance from the original destination. So what we want to do is resolve guilt, resolve guilt. And then it doesn't become shame. But shame on the other side of that is it becomes self-abuse when we continue to stay off our moral compass by a degree, two degrees, five degrees, 10 degrees, whatever. When we stay off of the, the, the known to be right path that we believe we should be going down, what ends up happening is we start to believe and say to ourselves, I'm just a failure. I just suck at life. I just can't do it. It's never going to work out. You know, the, the world doesn't want me. We blame, blame, blame. And we uh, mostly blame ourselves. We may play a victim, but we know, we know that it's our own doing when it's shame. Our, we're the greatest victim of ourselves in a situation where there's shame. Okay. Those are long-term risks and those are real problematic, as you can tell. Uh, So we get to this point and we're going, okay, I get what avoidance is. I know it's a defense mechanism. Uh, I know how it manifests itself. I know what it looks like. I know the red flags to identify it. Get those long-term risks. So Jeremiah, what do we do? Great question. Glad you asked. Thanks for doing that. What we do, look, there's other mechanisms. There's two that I'm going to give you. Uh, One of them is uh, clearly the best, but the other is better than avoidance. So if you're going to baby step, I'm going to go with the clearly better than and then the best. So the baby step direction is this. Redirect the energy. Because what that does is it takes it out of our emotional cups. It doesn't solve the problem because there's still going to be some residue. That's what we'll call it. It's not filling the cup necessarily, but it leaves a residue and it doesn't, it doesn't clean the cup. Okay. So that's that emotional cup I'm talking about. A redirect is, you know, when somebody, uh, this is one of my favorite examples to use. I I love using this with anybody, you know, uh, so you know, back when I was a child, <laughs> I say a kid, okay, when I was a kid, uh, you know, there was this, you know, this whole thing going through, like, you're so ugly. Well, when that comes up, the easy redirect to the you're so ugly is, well, you know what? You can blame my parents for that. See, I took the energy that was meant to be hurtful to me and I redirected it. Now, the reason that's not a great solution at times is because the redirection could also be hurtful, right? We don't want to, like, it's not the ideal, but comedians use this, this technique of, uh, uh, of redirect a lot. Why? Because it's hilarious. 
you know, we, we, we don't want to run around being sarcastic at everything, but there is a time and a place where sarcasm, uh, when done in a relationally healthy way can be both funny and redirect the energy. So uh, it's one you got to be careful with. Redirects are are problematic because they, even though they're a medium range solution, they don't necessarily solve the problem completely. It leaves a residue. The other thing to do, and this is, I know, frightening for a lot of people, but confront it. There's two ways that I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that real quick. Number one, confront it internally. In other words. Talk about how it affects you. This is a great opportunity for a therapist to step in right there. How do I confront? Talk to your therapist about it, please. Okay. The confronting of an issue means I need to know my own experience of the issue. I got to know my own experience. So if I were to work with a client on confronting, an issue. I usually pull out a tool. It's my probably my favorite tool that I use. It's called the awareness wheel. You can look it up online. It's out there. You can do your own research. You're smart people. But the awareness wheel uh, is a tool that I often use because it structures the chaotic. That's its design. It allows room for us to be relationally messy while structuring the communication. And I think that's a, a fantastic tool. And the other is uh, externally. So we talked about the internal and the other is confronting externally. Once we are done confronting internally and we know where we are, we know our emotions, we know the facts as we see them, uh, we know our own interpretations of the facts as we see them, we know what we want from it uh, and we know what we're willing to do to get it, right? These are, these are pretty basic concepts, right? But once we know all of that, then we have to take the next step. And this is for some people, the hardest step. And that is go out and relationally confront the situation. And we have to do that in particular with people that are closest to us because we're more likely to hide from the closest people. It's I know it seems ridiculous, but it is just a reality. Our avoidance, when we are an avoider, our avoidance is strongest in our closest relationships. It just is. So you're going to see it there very easily. We can justify it away when they're further away because it is a temporary solution and those are temporary relationships, right? But when they're close, man, it's going to just pop. It's going to show up. So the two techniques, redirect and confront. Hey, I know this is hard content. I hope that you're getting not just the tools, but you're understanding the, the process of avoidance a little bit better. Please, please engage with this. Uh, let me know what you think. I love hearing feedback. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives, make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com. 